Welcome to the online ministry of Pacific Beach United Methodist Church, located in beautiful San Diego, California. Pacific Beach UMC is a member of the Reconciling Ministries Network and welcomes persons of all ages and backgrounds for worship, study, and service opportunities. More information can be found on our website at pbumc.org. May you be enriched by the hearing of these words, and may you receive and enjoy God's blessing. Today's scripture reading is Luke 15, 1 through 10. The parable of the lost sheep. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling, saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having 100 sheep, losing one of them, does not leave 99 in the wilderness and go after that one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. The parable of the lost coin. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, loses one of them, and does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Thank you. Today we are spending time with two parables that speak to us about the nature of God. And while I love these parables, always have and always will, I'll tell you that they were forever changed for me when they, by chance, were the assigned scripture readings for September 16th, 2001, the Sunday following the terrorist attacks of 9-11. Preaching on that Sunday was an experience I will never forget. I still think of it as a dreadful honor to try to say something I always go and get emotional when I don't mean to, to try to say something of God and hope in the midst of the shock, anger, grief, and confusion that were a part of those days. When I first looked at these passages in preparation for that sermon 21 years ago, my first thought was to toss out the lectionary readings and look for something else, something better, something more applicable. In the end, I didn't, and I eventually found deep comfort and meaning in these verses that week against the backdrop of 9-11. I still love these passages and find comfort and meaning in them today. For starters, I love all the scripture passages about Jesus getting into trouble for hanging out with the outsiders. That's who Jesus was and is 
to me, God with skin on, who stirs things up, pushed the boundaries, wasn't afraid to rock the boat, headed toward the people who everyone else moved away from. And once again, not surprisingly, Jesus got an earful from the religious leaders for hanging out with the unsavory folks. According to the scripture, they were grumbling, saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. It's in this context that Jesus told these two parables. The first about a shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep in order to find the one lost one. And the second about a woman who lights a lamp and sweeps and sweeps to find one of her 10 coins that had become lost. In both stories, the shepherd and the woman not only rejoiced when they found what had been lost, but they called others to rejoice with them as well. And what I've always found interesting about these parables is that it's generally presumed that the lost ones are the sinners and outsiders and unsavory types with whom Jesus was hanging out. But if you look a little closer, it's actually one of the previously gathered, one of the in-crowd that becomes lost in these parables. It was one of the 100 sheep already in the fold who strayed away. It was one of the 10 coins already in pocket that somehow skittered onto the floor and rolled away. And for me, what that means is that whether we're talking about insiders or outsiders, religious or non-religious, sinner or saint, whatever, we all belong. In In God's eyes, we've just always all belonged. We didn't have to do anything to earn that, to get there. We've always belonged to God's family, to God's heart, in the circle of God's love and grace. All of us, everyone, right from the get-go. And what I also love about these parables is that it shows us something essential about the nature of God. I've shared this before, but I want to share it again here. I've spent a lifetime dismantling an image of God that I somehow constructed over the course of my childhood, an image of God as a fair but reserved professor type, someone who would assess my performance and be pleased with my accomplishments and disappointed with my failures. Perhaps all of us spend time, a little or a lot, dismantling images of God shaped by our environments and life experiences. But according to these parables, there is nothing that could be further from the truth. God isn't a calm, cool, collected observer in these accounts. God doesn't wisely weigh the pros and cons of looking for the one sheep versus tending to the 99. No, 
Jesus said that God is like a shepherd who charges out into the wilderness, leaving the 99 in order to find the one. A decision that might sound foolish to some. And God is like a woman who searches, who sweeps, who looks with persistence for the one coin that's missing, even though she still had the other nine in hand. What I was mindful of as I read these passages this week is that we could say that God, in God's over-the-top love, not only longs for us and searches for us when we're lost, but God actually grieves for us, for any of us, when we are in some way missing. When I worked in hospice, I did presentations with our bereavement coordinator, Leanne, and I always loved to hear her talk about grief. This is my layperson's rephrasing of what she said, and I would be happy to receive correction or clarification from any of our therapist types here. (laughs) But she talked about grief by describing our human response to any loss. The example she used uh, was very much what Dart was talking about, was losing a child in a department store. And I realize that that's somewhat of a dated example. But if you're old enough, you've perhaps been the child in that scenario, or perhaps you've been the adult and lost a child in a department store. What do you do if four-year-old Johnny wanders away and disappears in the women's clothing section? Well, you start by what? By Johnny, Johnny calling his name, right? You look around, up and down the rows, and if Johnny comes back, great. But if not, what happens? Yeah, you, get, you panic. You get, a little, you get a little more excited. You start to raise your voice, right? You say it louder, Johnny, 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 come here. You may move more quickly. There's a physiological response. Your heart might start beating faster, or you may begin to sweat. With heightened emotions, you search around corners and in clothes racks. You move the clothes around. Johnny, 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 where are you? And nearly all the time, Leanne would say, this behavior works. It helps to retrieve what was lost. Johnny hears you frantically calling his name or others come to help in the search because they've been alerted to the problem. Leanne went on to say that when someone, when someone dies, we experience a similar response because our systems know that in the past, this has helped to get someone or something back. So we cry out for who or what's been lost. We experience this range of emotions and physiological responses. We seek and we search for who we love and what's of value to us. And according to Jesus, God loves us like that. God isn't a calm, cool, collected observer. God grieves for who or what has been lost and searches unrelentingly, never stopping until what was lost is found. And that's so profoundly comforting for those of us who know what it is 
to be or to feel lost. And isn't that all of us, really? We've all been there. Theologian and writer Debbie Thomas writes about what it means to be lost in a sermon called On Lostness. What does it mean to be lost, she asks. It means so many things. It means we lose our sense of belonging. We lose our capacity to trust. We lose our felt experience of God's presence. We lose our will to persevere. Some of us get lost when illness descends on our lives and God's goodness starts to look not so good. Some of us get lost when death comes too soon and too suddenly for someone we love and we experience a crisis of faith that leaves us reeling. Some of us get lost when our marriages die. Some of us get lost when our children break our hearts. Some of us get lost in the throes of addiction or anxiety or unforgiveness or hatred or bitterness. End quote. We can and do get lost at different times and in various ways over the course of our lives. And the language of our tradition tends to oversimplify this experience into something that is either or. Either we are lost or we are found. Our much-beloved hymn, Amazing Grace, says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Done. Finito. Check. Found. What's next? But does life really work that way? It doesn't for me. No, it seems more honest to say that we are human. We get lost, sometimes in the same way over and over again. And sometimes we find new ways to get lost. Sometimes we get lost entirely, and sometimes just in certain areas of our lives, maybe. Sometimes I'd argue we get lost and don't even know that we're lost. And we, by our own insight and power and will and strength, don't have the capacity to find ourselves. But we are in the process, we are on the journey of being found, maybe over and over and over again, by a God who loves us so deeply that God will search and search for us and never give up. I mentioned earlier that I ended up finding comfort and meaning in these verses following 9-11. Many of you will remember the images of so many handmade signs plastered onto walls and across chain link fences in New York City in the days following 9-11. They were the faces of the lost with the words missing. Do you remember seeing all these? With the words missing printed on nearly all of them in big bold letters, missing. It became more and more gut-wrenching to look at those images 
as we began to realize that very few, if any of them, would be found. And yet, we have a God who is relentless in their search for us, for each one of us. And even those who were missing, who are missing, by our standards, have been found and will be found by God who will not be deterred because God seeks and finds the lost, those lost to death, yes, but also those lost in life simply because God loves us that much. Thanks be to God who continues to seek and find, never giving up until everyone and everything is gathered once again in God's circle of beloved belonging and unending grace. Amen. And now we'll move into a time of prayer. We will have a few moments of silence um, in remembrance of 9-11. So know that, that I'll invite you to take a few moments of silence during the prayer. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we bring ourselves into your presence, trusting that you draw us together by the power of your unrelenting love. You are not a God who stands off, coolly observing you draw near, inviting us into the shelter of your care and the possibilities of your life-changing grace. In this space and place, we are reminded of something we hear so seldom elsewhere, that we belong to you, to one another, that we've always belonged, and so has everyone else. We come together today with our joys and concerns, knowing that your spirit moves within us and weaves among us to speak words of peace, comfort, and hope. We mark this 21st anniversary of 9-11 by honoring the memory of all who were lost, acknowledging that so much changed forever on that day. We pray for those who continue to grieve the violent loss of loved ones and we pray for your world, its nations, and peoples. We lift up the prayers of our hearts in these moments of silence. Peaceable God, give us the wisdom and courage we need to build bridges that connect and unite rather than weapons that hurt, destroy, and divide. Loving God, we are grateful for your persistence as you seek all that is lost and all those who are lost, including us at times. We cannot find ourselves. By your power and your grace, we are on a lifelong journey of being found with and for and alongside one another. With hearts that can only say thank you, we pray these things in Jesus' name, praying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you.